This is The Ethicist, a new podcast from The New York Times Magazine. I'm Amy Bloom, novelist and writer-in-residence at Wesleyan University, and along with my co-hosts, we're going to debate and then answer some of the tricky ethical questions Times Magazine readers send in every week. And let me introduce those co-hosts. Jack Schaefer is a media writer for Politico. Welcome, Jack. I'm ready for the tricky questions. I'm so glad. And Kenji Yoshino, a law professor at NYU. Hi, Kenji. Hi, Amy. Coming up, we'll tackle reader questions about medicine, about friendship, and as always, about money. But first, we're going to look into the ethicist email inbox to see what common themes or questions readers have sent us this week. Here's a question about how and how far should a doctor go to help a patient and how we understand the idea of the fact. As a physician, I was consulted by an Army veteran who brought me a sleep study performed by and paid for by the Veterans Administration that showed he had sleep apnea for which he was successfully treated, also paid for by the VA. He was seeking a letter from me to the VA to attest that his sleep apnea was, quote, service-connected, meaning it had started while he was on active duty and the Army was therefore responsible for his having this illness and should pay treating it over the long term. It is usually not possible medically to know exactly when this disorder starts. All doctors are taught that the patient's needs come first, but not convinced that the Army had caused this problem, I compromised and wrote a letter for him to the VA saying that this patient quote, tells me his problem started while on active duty. Please consider granting him service-connected status. Did I act unethically? Signed, W.J. Atlanta. Bad, bad doctor. Bad, bad doctor because why? If it's not possible medically to know, then where does this doctor get off leading the VA to believe that it started during his service? I guess the question that I have about that, Jack, is that one of the facts that you report as a medical care provider to another medical institution in this case is the patient's self-report. I agree with you that you wouldn't want to say it is a fact when it is not a fact, but it is a fact that the patient states that the problem began while on active duty. I think it might be more ethical to add to that, it is not possible for me to ascertain when the problem began, only that it was present at such and such a date when he was successfully treated for it. Because I want to say there's not an attempt to persuade the VA of anything. These are also medical professionals. It's not like they're going to be like, oh, my gosh, a medical professional states that it's impossible to know something, but to offer the facts. And it is true that a fact is the patient has reported that the disorder began while he was on active duty. And it makes sense to include that fact, not to say that the doctor knows that it is true, but it is a fact that the patient has reported this. Then why is the physician troubled? Does he not know his own profession sufficiently to know whether it's ethical or not to present the self-reported diagnosis of a patient? I'm wondering about that. I wonder if the thing that troubles the letter writer is the sentence, please consider granting him service-connected status. In other words, he is sort of putting himself a little further out, right, to be supportive of the patient. And I, I wondered if that was the sentence that actually troubled the physician. 
my interpretation of this question is that the doctor wants to help the patient as much as possible. So I read the sentence, all doctors are taught that the patient's needs come first, to mean that he really, really, really wants to help the patient, but that he also understands that there is another duty that he has to the Army benefit system, such that he can't, for example, lie or shade the truth in order to get the patient's needs satisfied. So I'm actually right with Amy here, which is to say that this individual got it exactly right in saying that he's reporting that the patient tells me that his problem started while on active duty while not endorsing, right, making any claim that it in fact started while on active duty. The only tweak I would make to the answer, and even this is cosmetic, is maybe he's more of a specialist in sleep apnea than the people on the other side at the VA are, just by happenstance. You know, they may be more generalist. You don't know what doctor is reading the file. So he might want to add, you know, with sleep apnea, it's very difficult to know when the problem started. So just here's information about the condition as well as the information about the patient's statement. I think that would be an important add for me ethically from the doctor's point of view to state that it is not possible for me, this doctor, to ascertain when the problem began only that it is was present at such and such a date. So to be very, very clear about what he is saying, which is the patient reports this, I cannot know, and there you go. You've done sort of the ethical thing, and you haven't pled a case for the patient, but you have also not interfered with him getting the best possible response. How does that seem to you, Jack? Well, Amy, are you saying that he wrote an unethical letter then? I'm not saying that the letter was unethical, but if his concern was the plea for consider granting him service-connected status, I don't think that's a bad thing to do. I mean, to ask somebody to consider something. If your medical degree glows more gold than mine... Which, which I bet it does from well, my I bet, school. I bet it does. The sentence tells me his problem started while on active duty. Any doctor above his pay grade who reads this and is considering the patient is going to say, well, that self-report absolutely means nothing. And then when we connect it to please consider granting him service-connected status, that seems to be a nonsensical question, too, if we cannot medically establish when the condition started. So I think that what the physician seems to be doing is trying to game the system writing sort of weasel words, using weasel words and weasel sentences to help this patient get VA care. All right, Kenji, what do you say? Yeah, I'm completely unfazed by this. Uh, I think he behaved <laughs> totally ethically. So, I mean, I said I would make a tweak to the letter, so I won't uh, repeat that. But uh, as Jack says, he's, you're totally right to hold their feet to the fire and to say, you know, this is a letter that was actually written, so take it as... As written, I think it's completely ethical. Well, there we go. I think we have Jack saying the letter that the physician wrote is just not adequate to meet the ethical standard because of the things that he does not know. And Amy and Kenji saying, given that he is reporting what he cannot know, in other words, Mr. Jones tells me this is the patient's self-report, this is not my medical report, I do not support this report. Please consider him. It is not unethical. 
I feel that he could have added one more sentence about what he cannot ascertain. But I think, in essence, Kenji and I both say, not unethical, and Jack is holding him to a higher standard. Kenji, Amy, I'll never trust you again. (laughs) It's nice to know you trusted us at all. (laughs) Exactly. I'll take it. (laughs) Okay. On to our next question. And this one pushes us to look at ethics and religion and friendship as sometimes overlapping principles and sometimes in conflict. My closest friend just got pregnant and is in no way ready to take on motherhood at 18 years old. She's already committed to her dream school and received a scholarship. She wants to get an abortion out of state and is asking me to drive her. She would do the same for me if the roles were reversed, but my religion prohibits acts like these. I've been putting it off for weeks, making up excuses as to why I couldn't take her. Is it ethical for me to drive hours away without her parents' consent to abort a baby when that is regarded as very shameful in my church? So for me, this is an easy one in that I think it's very ethically permissible for the letter writer to not drive her friend because she has religious compunctions against it. I'm actually touched by how often in these letters someone says, uh, if our positions were reversed, you know, the other, the friend would do it. But in this case, the two individuals are not similarly situated insofar as the letter writer has these religious compunctions that the friend does not. So I see no problem here except for one, and the only problem is that she's dithering about this. And so, you know, if she can't do it, she should say, I can't do it, and then let the friend find somebody else to drive her. Uh, But by waiting in this way and by making excuses, as she says, and not giving her an honest answer and a clear answer that she can't do it, uh, she's putting the friend in a much more difficult position than the friend needs to be in. My thought is that the unethical thing is the delay and the excuse-making. It creates a circumstance in which the letter writer delays but does not in any way avoid her best friend getting an abortion. I think that's unethical and unkind. I think that she can ethically not do it and tell her friend the truth immediately or do drive her and in the process of either rethinking her religious stance or recognizing that one of her concerns seems to be the subject of shame and adult disapproval rather than her own religious beliefs, but that's me reading into the question. So I would say the unethical thing is dithering and delaying and making this happen later and making it more difficult for the friend to get a ride. I disagree, Amy. I think the reason that I love this question is that no matter what the letter writer does, they're acting ethically? Yes, in in driving or not driving. Driving or not driving. You don't have an ethical responsibility to drive your very best friend in their time of need, and it's not unethical to cast aside your religious beliefs and uh, teachings to drive them. No, we, we agree, Jack. You and Kenji are both saying that, and I agree as well. You know, she could ethically drive her, she could ethically not drive her. What right. I think is unethical, by which I mean unkind and unhelpful and simply giving into her own internal difficulties without recognizing the problem it causes for her friend is the delaying of the driving by not telling the truth. Drive her or don't drive her, but the procrastination is unkind. Well, I was going to say procrastination is unethical. I'm the most unethical person at this table. 
Well, there's probably an argument there for the entire group of us. But I think that in this particular case, there are real costs to the procrastination and the costs are being borne entirely by the best friend. And that, I think, is unethical. It's also, I mean, depending on, you know, the place where she's getting an abortion, this could be more than one trip. And it's also an out-of-state abortion. So it's not a insignificant undertaking. And these are time-sensitive issues, right? So I do agree here that procrastination could be unethical. Right. The letter writer says, I have been putting it off for weeks, making up excuses as to why I couldn't take her. And that is the only piece I see as unethical. I think the three of us say ethical to drive her, ethical not to drive her. And then there's my little piece with the asterisk. Our next question asks us, if the other guy is terrible, am I allowed to be bad? I recently bought an item from a well-known online retailer that was apparently stolen from my porch. I requested a refund, which was promptly granted. Then the item turned up, having been mistakenly delivered to a neighbor. I immediately told the retailer what happened and returned my 20 or $30. But then I got to thinking, I should have kept that money. You see, the billionaire who owns this online retailer recently acquired my employer. This billionaire not only got the company for a bargain price, he also was given far more money to cover my and my co-workers' pensions. Instead, he decided to freeze the pensions, setting aside the large sum of money to make absolutely certain he would never have to spend a cent on our retirement. In other words, he pocketed the money. So here I had a chance to get him back, but I didn't. Am I a fool? Name withheld. I would say, no, you are not a fool. I think the letter writer did the right thing. I think to ethically work against the billionaire, which I think is a fine thing to do with your time, you might engage in some kind of protest activity aimed at said billionaire and said billionaire's policy. This is the easiest question that I think we've gotten in that uh, the person did the right thing. Two wrongs don't make a right. The fact that this billionaire froze their pensions uh, might be a bad thing, but the way to protest that is to go to corporate headquarters and hold a picket sign or write a letter or to engage in some other form of activism. But taking that $20 is not the right way to go. Well, I'm totally appalled um, <laughs> that I might have to agree with you. Um, but let's let's see if we can filibuster this a little bit. Don't you really want to do this to every billionaire on the planet? Like Bill Gates. Yes. Bill Gates. Bill Gates makes, you know, Microsoft makes a $20 a mistake in, in your favor, or Citibank makes a $50 uh, mistake. In, aren't you just dying for this day to happen? But I have to pull back and say, no, the money isn't yours. It was never yours. You did the right thing. And just, you know, just draw really ugly pictures of the billionaire and put like voodoo arrows in his head and call it a day. I think that's where we land. I, la I think we land on the letter writer did the right thing we are all sympathetic with the wish to keep the money, and we say either ethically work against the billionaire, engage in some protest activity, or follow Jack's lead and a little voodoo. And that's it for The Ethicists. If you'd like to send us your ethical quandary or comment on the show, you can reach us at ethicists at newyorktimes.com. If you'd like to leave a voicemail question for us to answer on the show, our number is 212 556-7070. If you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us in iTunes. 
Our producer is Anne Hepperman, and the music is by the band Broke for Free. For Jack Schaefer and Kenji Yoshino, I'm Amy Bloom. We'll talk to you next week on The Ethicists. <laughs>